0: Let's have a go. We're in Advent. We're week two of Advent. Um, Week two of Advent is a good time to think about a chap called John the Baptist. Um, Liz has got a picture. This is where we're at. This is to just get us in the frame of mind. Seventies vibe. He's in the wilderness. He eats locusts. He eats honey. He's dressed in camel hair. He's out. He's out there, and he, and he's odd. Okay, we're starting with John the Baptist, week two of Advent. Let's should we take the photo. Just, right, that's the frame of mind, and we began, right? Didn't we? Um, Abby and Betty read the reading. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness. He says, "Repent. The kingdom of God is come near. Uh, this is He who was spoken of through the prophet, prophet Isaiah of the voice of one calling in the wilderness, John." Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. We're in the moment where we're looking um, and and we're we're pointing, we're watching who's coming next. That's Advent. That's what Advent's about. So John, it's a bit about who he is. He's this character, you see, camel hair, etc. A bit about what he did. He basically called people to repentance. He called people to baptism. Um, he, you got this impression of him. He's living out there in the wilderness. He's shouting loudly. But there's this other uh, thing that I've been reading about this week, about like where he stood, which is almost more important. Where? Where's the location where John is standing? John is standing on the frontier between the um, darkness and the light. John is standing on the frontier between... Uh, an an aching people group, the Israelites, who have been waiting 400 years for a Messiah, and and he's the guy that comes and says, "Prepare the way, Jesus is coming. The kingdom is about to break in. He's on the precipice. He's on the frontier." of light breaking in to darkness. And so that was in Matthew chapter three, the reading we had this morning, Matthew chapter four, there's this verse, the people living in darkness, this is what Jesus quotes from Isaiah, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. Now I've rocked up on the scene, Jesus says, they've seen a great light. Those living in the land of shadow, a de- uh, the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So you've got John, you've got him pointing, you've got him saying, prepare, prepare, prepare. You've got Jesus rocking up and you're saying, look, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. The light has dawned. This is, um, this is happening now. That's what Advent's about, about anticipating the inbreaking of light. So what is it for us? We're, we're here and we sort of, Advent's a moment where we look back, don't we, and we remember. We remember Jesus' birth Um, We remember what God has done in Jesus, the incarnation. God wraps himself in human flesh, becomes one of us. And we also look forward, right? We look forward for a time to come when the kingdom that Jesus established is fully established. And we sort of sit in the tension between the two. We look back and we look forward forward. We've seen a light, the light has dawned, but we read in Revelation there's going to be a moment where there will be no more night. There'll be no more darkness because the light of Jesus will pervade everything. The light will have fully broken in and will have changed everything. And in a way, we are John the Baptist contemporaries. We're still there. We're still on the frontier. Jesus has established his kingdom, but we're still on the frontier. We're still called Not quite locusts and honey in the desert and the camel hair, but there is this strangeness to us, which we've been talking about in 1 Peter, right? We're citizens of a different kingdom, a non-perishing kingdom called to stand on the frontier, right? To, To see, to watch, to point to the light that's breaking in, that's still breaking in. That's what Advent's about. I wanted to just show you almost an alternative Christmas story. That sounds like a compelling Christmas story and a compelling role for us to play in the world. I was at Lidl um, a couple of weeks ago, and I saw um, this. It wasn't actually this. It was a flyer, but I went online and found the branding. A Christmas you can believe in. I've just done in two minutes what we believe in. That's the story we believe in. What's Lidl doing? Are they talking about the in-breaking kingdom of Jesus that we're going to celebrate on Christmas Day? Is that the Christmas they want us to believe in? If we go to the next one, we can see that they're really excited about a vegetable festival. That's the main thing that Lidl are pitching us. Whether it's crispy roasties, parsnips or sprouts that you love, it's time to celebrate Jesus coming to earth and the kingdom of God breaking it. No, it's time to celebrate Christmas vegetables. And this is a caricature, isn't it? It's a caricature of a different story that is going on in the background. And these are the, the water we swim in. I know it's not all as meaningless as Christmas vegetables. But bear with me a moment. There's a, there's a different thing going on where, where in the past good few hundred years since the medieval era bit by bit by bit. The idea that anything good can come from outside of humanity has been completely squashed. Does that make sense? This guy, Charles Taylor, calls it exclusive humanism. The waters we swim in are now ones in which um, if we want to live fullness of life, Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, right? If we want life to the full, It can only be as full as the life that we can imagine and the life that we can make happen, right? As humans, what can we imagine and what can we make happen? In a sense, what's happened is we've lost hope that a light would come from outside, right? The light comes from outside. And when John's saying, I'm standing here, I'm in the wilderness, I'm pointing out there's something that you need to be prepared for that you haven't yet seen, right? Right? we've got to the point where it's daft, isn't it? But we basically look to Christmas vegetables. <laughs> like, wh- where are we, lo- what are we putting our hope in? What's the Christmas that we're going to believe in? It's some, like, solid parsnips. <laughs> it's, like, brilliant carrots. It's a bit daft, isn't it? But the the flip side of, of this is is when we are looking to the magic of of Christmas vegetables, which another flyer said, at least said the magical vegetable. What is the thing that we 're going to be saved from by good carrots by good parsnips and, and broccoli it 's like a subpar roast dinner isn 't it? The only thing that good vegetables can save us from is bad vegetables right but the but the inbreaking kingdom of God, the light of Jesus, can save us from True darkness, the depth of darkness. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a shallow view we can have when we're in Advent and we're looking forward to Christmas. When we can only, when we think. Um, the good that we can experience the flourishing the fullness of life we can experience is that which we can imagine and that which we can make happen that 's when we 're looking forward to to the good, then we can only look really we can only reckon with the bad to the degree that that good solves the bad. Does that make sense? So we end up faffing about a, a rubbish roast dinner but if we can if we can fix our eyes on Jesus, the inbreaking Uh, son of God becoming human to show us what it means to live as a truly human, then we can turn around and we can look at the, the depths of darkness and the depths of brokenness. And we can have a deeper view both of the light and of the darkness, not good vegetables and bad vegetables. Right. I wanted us just to then anchor in like a truer story, Liz, if you'd pop the slide up. We're not um, that good at this, but many Anglicans get excited about the liturgical year. There's a year. You can see the months mapped on, the little circle in the middle, and there's, and there's different things that happen throughout the year, and so I'm not going to go into all that now. But this is just a call out that Advent has a role. You can see it in December before January happens. And what is it doing? It's anticipating the incarnation. And, and that's where we find ourselves now. And... And if some churches basically do readings and worship and all sorts of things that's fully um, influenced by this church calendar, does that make sense? So when you're in uh, when you're in Lent and you're in March, you're, your readings are all associated with that. And the role of Advent in in this view is, is this is our story. You can see the story of Jesus and the story of people of God. Um, it's to look the darkness square on in the face. That's the role of, of Advent. Um, it's actually to reckon with, um, not to sort of get distracted by festivities, but to reckon with actually in our circumstances and in the circumstances of many others around us and that we see on the news, um, God actually seems strangely absent. There's many scenarios in our lives where God actually seems absent. And... Advent is a moment where we reckon with that. We almost look uh, God's felt absence uh, square on in the face. And um, just to put the next one up, Liz, which is the passage. Here's a passage that if you were following the uh, lectionary, it's called, and we'd be doing this on this Sunday, the second Sunday of Advent. I'll just read it out. It's in, um, it doesn't say there, Mark chapter 13 about that day or hour, no one knows. It's all about the kingdom of God coming. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or midnight or when the rooster crows are at dawn, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Here's a parable that the early church got hold of when they were facing the fact that Jesus hadn't yet come back. And it was like, hold on, where is our king? And people were starting to say, well, what?" you know, it all came to nothing. They took, they took this parable and they, and they ha- let it shape them. The the master here uh, purposes a household. We are the household of God, right? Our church. He um, sets them a purpose and gives them a reason to exist, and he gives them all individual roles. And then they feel his absence. He's not there. He's not there, and they anticipate his uh, return. And what is the command in that moment? Is to watch. That you people in the household of God, the master's given you each a purpose. Watch, watch for His return. Do not let Him find you sleeping, being excited about uh, if the thing you're most excited about is is whether your vegetables are good or not? In my mind, I read that and I was like, that's sleeping. Surely, when we've just when we're existing at a surface um, level, and I just wanted to land with this idea: w- where we're called to watch. We're in the household of God. We've got a purpose. We're waiting. We're anticipating. How, how do we watch? Where do we look for signs of God's presence? And just to, to jump back to a talk I did, actually, it uh, would have been six weeks ago when we're talking about um, not being a cozy club. Can you remember that? Like going on mission. And we talked about being, um, being finding God's presence among the last, the least, and the lost. And Jesus saying, when, you, um, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me there's this strange uh, paradox where we find God's presence amongst God in the middle of God's felt absence. When people are in pain, in that parable, don't have clothes, don't have food, are are isolated in, in, in prison. That's where Jesus says, there you will meet me. When you hang out with those people, when you're faithfully present to those people, that's when you saw me. And I just, I really felt God just wanting to uh, share this. The Advent call on us is to be faithfully present to the pain that we see around us. It may actually be in our own lives or so a de- close friend. It may be um, something that we're called to pray for that we see at a distance. You know, the refugee crisis, the energy crisis, the people that are at the wrong end of a lot of different things that are happening that it's quite hard to control. Um, to look that darkness square on in the face and and to uh, let it sit deep within us and to feel it and allow us uh, and allow a hope to rise that God would break in. Not just good parsnips, but God would break in. And, we, and And when we actually look like, flip, that's going on in my life and I've fallen asleep to it. Don't let him find you asleep. What's going on in your life? You're like, I've just been become desensitized to this. This is a darkness that I'm living with. This is a darkness in my family or in Exeter town center or whatever it is. This is something I've just got used to and I've fallen asleep to it. But what does it look like to, to watch, to be a member of the household of God that watches and to looks for God's in kingdom? Fleming Rutledge says this, we're called to be a people who live in solidarity with those in darkness, but are characterized by a hope of those who expect the dawn. We're to live in solidarity of those in darkness, but characterized by a hope of those who expect the dawn. And one of the main ways that we do that is to remember that story, right? To remember what Jesus has done, and to be a people with a living hope about what Jesus will do. To to be present with others in their darkness, but to uh hold on to on their behalf for the sake of the world a living hope about what Jesus will do. And this is hopefully a helpful segue into communion. This is where this table is where we remember what Jesus has done. The the uh, the birth of Jesus uh ends. Up with Jesus at the cross, Jesus came as a stranger, and humanity put him to death. That is what Jesus has done for us and The invitation, I think, as we come to this table is to is to reflect, Jesus, where are you coming as a stranger in my life? like wh- Where are you knocking on that door? Where am I being called to watch in the middle of something that 's dark, and where is your presence coming to, to me, and where am I being called to hold on to a living hope and, and, to, and to stand in the middle of darkness, but to, to trust that God's kingdom w- is breaking in. And, and that's what we'll celebrate in a few weeks time when we get to Christmas. So Pete, you're going to come and lead us through communion.